Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Got your coffee ready? Oh, it's so good this morning. Oh, yeah. So we are ready for this discussion. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, We do have a topic. We have really well prepared this, but we did just come through a storm, didn't we, honey? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're still in it, which is uh, sickness in the family. (laughs) Imagine when a family of 10 gets sick. I guess one was spared from sickness. So nine of of us fell. Our 19 year old. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. anyways, what an adventure that always is. You know so well, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, but we're excited to do the episode and stay the course no matter what, right? Wow. Yes. (laughs) What's the topic today, honey? Well, we're actually talking about a really sensitive topic, which is a competitive spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a huge warning warning on how a competitive spirit can destroy sibling relationships. And this is a big deal because I think that it relates to marriage too, because Mm -hmm. we model for our kids how to treat one another with kindness. And if we have a competitive spirit, even in a marriage, it can erode family relationships. Well, what happens within siblings tends to happen within friendships later in marriage, even after that. So really, I mean, we're, we're labeling this a warning how a competitive spirit can destroy sibling relationships, but really that plays a huge role in your child's life, like their whole life, all of their relationships and your legacy. Have you ever heard the saying, familiarity breeds contempt? Contempt. And that is when we are really familiar with each other, Mm -hmm. we tend to treat each other not as well in a natural sense. In a godly sense, it would be the opposite of that, right? Right. But in a natural fleshly sense, that tends to happen Which is, I think, why divorce is so, the rates for divorce are so high. Yeah. Right? Because people stop trying. They stop treating one another with respect and kindness. Yeah. Um, And over time, it, it does breed contempt. Yeah, that's why those, but just a quick note, those marriage meetings are so important. We just did one yesterday. It yeah. was one hour, power On hour. On our back porch, guys. We didn't even go anywhere. We just told the kids, listen, we just sacred time. It. We need to sit down and talk, hash out some things for just mental health and We wellness. got an alignment. We did during our devotions this morning. Yeah. We told the kids some new initiatives, some new boundaries, some new things that are Just realigned. Big, just yeah. realigned, yeah. And just starting to re-implement some schedule because the school year is going to be coming. And so it's good for us to start the warm up of that and have a few regular things that are happening every single day. Yes. In the midst yeah. of everybody being sick, we did that. Yeah. You got right. to keep doing these things. So let's dive into this. So the topic's competition. Now, we think certain competition can be very good. And there's a lot of bad aspects to competition too. Yeah. And certainly in the family, cultivating it um, can really leave some bad relationships that uh, go into the future. So, you know, just to start out, I want to just say that our heart is to give you guys a balanced perspective because just throwing the baby out with the bathwater can also be unhealthy. Um, we as Christians are told in scripture to run a race. We are running a race. And guess what? We actually have an enemy. His Mm -hmm. name's Satan. Yeah. And 
as we are preparing our children for to be strong, confident Christian kids in an uncertain world, we have to prepare them to be able to run the race mm. and be able to beat their enemy. And when I say beat their enemy, obviously, I mean this in full context of scripture, that they are running the race in the power of God. Through Christ, they can do all things. It mm-hmm. is not in and of themselves that they're by any means beating Satan, but they're being covered in the armor of God and fighting the good fight. Right. There's another analogy. Yeah. And so this topic of competition, like there is an element where you can use good competition to prepare your child for the Christian walk in fighting against temptation, fighting against the enemy and his schemes and winning souls for Christ in the Great Commission. However, a competitive spirit, which is what we're talking about, largely is very dangerous. Yeah. And many well-intentioned parents are making this mistake. They may not even realize it. If we're allowing Mm -hmm. our kids to grow in fighting, you know, Mm -hmm. let's ask some questions. Do your kids fight? Well, I think everybody answers yes to that, including us sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, we would be lying. If anybody has ever said, oh, my kids never fight. They're lying. Can I just say they're lying? (laughs) And I I say that because we have to, again, take our rose-tinted glasses off and be honest about the reality of humanity. Yeah. If we are parading as if we have the perfect marriage and the perfect life, yeah. then we are living a lie. Amen. And honestly, that's hypocritical and our kids are not going to want to follow our leadership. How about it? Right on. How about a spirit of me versus we? That okay, was so, one of our family initiatives well, for this year. The opposite yeah. of it, we versus me. Yeah. Put the we in front. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But me versus we mm-hmm. is often in families where, you know, people are really selfishly driven. So we'll talk about that. Uh, mm-hmm. One-upping one another. Do the three, oh, four, five-year-olds one-up well, each other? but mine's better. Yeah. Oh, but I, I, I'm actually a better drawer or I have a, I can do that better. I am the best in the world at Legos. what else can three-year-olds and four-year-olds say i mean seriously you guys know all of the sayings because you're living this right now another one is jealousy like do your girls struggle with wanting curly hair because they have straight hair or straight hair because they have curly hair always the opposite right or is it that they they want um they want a sister yeah because they have all brothers and they have friends who have sisters and they have so much more fun than they do playing yeah. dollhouse. There are all kinds of things that the enemy, that are good things, yeah. that the enemy can use to create division and, in relationships. And parents can be cultivating the wrong things in their kids by mm. saying things. How come you can't just be like okay. your brother? So you guys, I just have to say that I don't think you've ever said that to any of our kids before, but I came up with that little saying for this podcast because I am going to confess to you that I, this is not something I do regularly, but I think twice in the last 18 years of parenting, no, 20 years of parenting. Things are getting real. I have failed as a mom in, in saying things like that. I think there have been two or three times where I've literally said, but your sister can do it. Why can't you? Mm. Oh, is that just going to kill mm. the little boy who wants to oh. be a man? Yeah. If his sister can do something and he can't, right? Like we should never say anything like that. And immediately as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was just like, oh, I'm not speaking life. I'm speaking death in this moment. <laughs> or even saying absolutes. You always, you never. Oh, yeah. And look over here. She does it well. Why can't you? 
So there's different ways it comes right, out. Right, right, right. Yeah, there are different. It's not necessarily exactly how I just said it. But if you've ever said those kinds of words, I just, as one mom to another, I urge you to apologize to your kids and never, never say those kinds of things again. Because what you're doing is cultivating a competitive spirit between your children. And you have to realize that it is your responsibility. You have a massive influence on the relationship that your children are going to have together 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 40 years down the road. And it starts now. I always say you're building today what you want tomorrow in regards to relationships. Amen. And in uh, Hebrews 12, uh, one through two, it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So there's that race, enduring the race you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And this is about salvation, right? Yeah. And, and like running the race here on earth yeah. um, in a way that is going to bring God glory. Amen. And we need to be training our children in that. And so, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, we just brought up sports, for example. This is not going to be a whole podcast on sports. We're just briefly going to talk about that for a well, second. Well, it's because it's competition, right? Right. And so that's like the first thing that parents think of. Like, okay, well, if I don't want to cultivate a competitive spirit in my family, mm-hmm. then should we not do sports? And before we go there, real quick, we have a free gift for you. Two of them. We have a one-sheet date night. I think it's a date night one sheet is what it's called. Yeah. And it's about the right questions to ask each other to cultivate vision, culture, see how your family's doing. So you can just print it off and take it on your date. Yeah. Fill it in. And so CourageousParenting.com, when you go there, subscribe to our email list. If you already have, then you'll get it. Just open this week's email. We sent a yeah. one email a week. Yep. And, and it we comes sent in the date night sheet, I think now for the last two weeks. Yeah. So uh, you can always message us if for some reason you don't have it, but yeah. definitely we want you to have that. And also the free Courageous Parenting Workshop where you get the six keys to being a courageous parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 35 minutes. People are raving about it. Feel free to get that um, as well. So uh, let's dive into it. So what is, let's talk about sports. So there's a lot of good things about sports. Right. I so mean, some of them are like work ethic, working as a team, yeah. endurance, yeah. when things are hard, not giving up. Also um, pushing to be your best and developing to be your best to being your best. That's what I yeah. said. Yeah. So yeah. and developing a confidence that's an anchor in your life. You can draw from later of like, I accomplished mm-hmm. this. So then I can accomplish this. I can accomplish this. It's kind of like a growth. Yeah. It's what we talk about when we're talking about growth capacity. I've conquered this. So therefore I'm more prepared for the next thing Pursuing that comes in life. Excellence uh, with your best and Excellence as a team is really cool. Friendships can develop because we've gone through something together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a lot of really thing, good things. If it's a great coach, then there's like a code of conduct, right? Right. Uh, and things like that. So there can be a lot of great things about it. Yeah, there is. And I mean, like we said, we're not talking about sports just in this mm-hmm. podcast episode, but we wanted to bring it up because I the reason why I was highlighting when you kept saying your best is there's something that is the difference, though, is when God calls us to do everything as yeah. unto the Lord, but we have to be focused on our best, not mm-hmm. on our best compared to that person's best. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if we're wanting someone else to fail so that we can win, then we have a competitive spirit that's actually not biblical. Yep. Because nowhere in the Bible would that kind of attitude be applauded by God. 
You know, I want somebody else to fail so I can win. You know where this shows up? I just have to do a quick tangent real quick because in men especially, uh, this shows up in adulthood. Mm-hmm. And the way it shows up is when you greet somebody, it's okay to find out what you do for work. But too often, uh, that is a sizing each other up kind of experience. Interesting. And in God's mm-hmm. eyes, work is work. Nobody's work is better than anybody else's work. And but that competitive spirit can ruin fellowship with other men because we get competitive about our careers or success yeah. or things like that. You know, it's interesting. I haven't really been in that kind of scenario, not as often as like I think men probably are in that scenario yeah. a lot more often. But I think women do that just as much as men do. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a stay-at-home mom. Well, I work. I wish I could do that, or I wish I. You're the lucky one. You get to go out. Or well, like, you're really patient. So I can never do that. There's just yeah. This particular topic of having a competitive spirit and it really comes from comparing yourself Mm -hmm. to other people. And God's word tells us that we should not be doing that, that we instead be sober minded about ourselves and the reality of who we are. And if any kind of appropriate comparing should be happening, it should be our character to what God expects of Christians and a striving to become more like Christ, a striving to be walking in the spirit, a striving mm-hmm. to be bringing him glory by how we live. And that does not come when we are looking at one another. It comes when we're looking at Christ. And this all starts when they're two, one, three, 15, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. It starts from the time that they're little. Although if you haven't been parenting in, instead in a way that is, being aware of this competitive spirit, we don't want you to be discouraged because if you have a 14-year-old and you haven't called this out in them and you see them being very self-focused and competitive with other people in a way that is not godly, where they're like, they're craving accolades and they're craving attention or self-centeredness, then you need to engage that child right now and put them in a boot camp. And that boot camp might actually be withdrawing them from sports, even if they're good at it. Talk about a life lesson. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go into the challenges of doing this with siblings, Mm -hmm. the challenges of competition within your family. Right. And you have a scripture for us? Yeah. Well, so I just I wanted to share with you from first Samuel chapter 16. I would encourage people to go and read the entire chapter, but I'm just going to share from verse seven here. It says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, this is when he was uh, David was going to be appointed to king anointed as king. And the Lord says to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I've refused him. So he we can take that as a lesson and go, oh, Okay, so we shouldn't be looking at physical stature mm. as like yep. godliness or whatever. So for men, when they're adults, what does that look like? You have a BMW and a nice house and you got to keep up with the Joneses and it's all about that. No, like God is literally saying, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. She then, didn't say anything bad about BMWs, by the way. It's just we shouldn't <laughs> yes. look at each other and covet. And covet those things yes. or or judge them based upon what they have or don't have. Right. Right. And we shouldn't be focused on gaining all of those things in a opposition to what matters in the heart. Now, yeah. if you're blessed to have those things yeah. and you are running the race as a Christian and your heart is clean before God, praise God. That's awesome. But it says here, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Mm-hmm. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is the 
foundation, the umbrella of this entire podcast is that man looks at outward appearance like, okay, am I going to win? Am I going to get that trophy? And am I going to get praise from that? Yeah. Right. And then some people will even justify it as saying, well, but then I can point the praise to God. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's true. Like if you win, like I think of Jim Elliott. Oh, yeah. Or, or no, Eric Little and running the race and having this um, perspective of I want to bring God the glory and I want to mm-hmm. do my best. But again, it was about doing his best for the Lord, not doing better than the person next to him. Yeah. That was where his heart focus was. And so if we have our kids in sports and we can somehow um, engage them to teach these truths and to ask them the hard question, like, why do you want to win so bad? Is it for God's glory or yeah. do you just want to win because you don't, you want to win yeah. and it's about you? Like we need to have those kinds of conversations because if God cares about the heart, we as parents should be caring about our kids' hearts. So the wind is blowing towards a competitive spirit of culture. So we just have to be aware of that. The that, culture, that is, culture is, dominating is, is blowing this yes. wind of you know, negative competitiveness, rat race, rat race, and all these things yeah. and one up one another and be better than the other person mm-hmm. in a negative way and not glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing has to be done on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, as long as you possibly can while they're in your home, because you have a big influence, but it's a lot of small decisions made over and over, small actions made over and over and over again over a long period of time that make a difference in parenting. There's no quick fix. So either you're cultivating a spirit of humility, a spirit of glorifying God, or pride and arrogance in your Mm -hmm. kids. And by the way, the world's teaching them that's okay. Right. So you have to, when the wind's blowing one way, you are the parent that's pushing against the wind Mm -hmm. of mediocrity another way. Do we want our kids' identity to be wrapped up in being the top football player or the student body president? Or do we want their identity to be wrapped up in who they are in Christ? Yeah. One example and one piece of advice that I would give to parents is that if they sense their child is just like, wow, they are athletically inclined, for example, and they are just on fire. Let's talk about t-ball, baseball. They just have this ability above other kids to perform and to do really well. That's awesome. But if you start seeing a prideful, arrogant heart growing in your child, I would actually have them sit out a season, bench them, do whatever you need to do to teach them the hard lesson that an arrogant, prideful heart is Mm. not okay. And do it young because if you let that go because you just, you enjoy seeing your child win and you have pride rooted up in your heart because of your your child's performance and you're vicariously living through them. Like, I am sorry, but if you're creating a prideful heart in your child and you do not discipline them by benching them or having them experience some kind of more severe consequence, like taking them off of the team for a season. If you don't do that when they're younger, imagine how much harder it's going to be when they have a potential scholarship for college riding on their performance. And you have a very arrogant senior in high school. You can't bench them for that season of basketball because their future depends on that scholarship. So what are we preparing our kids for this world or the next world? See, in that moment where you're like, oh, I might be hurting their scholarship. I might be hurting their opportunity. Well, do we want to hurt their opportunity for a scholarship or hurt their opportunity or help their opportunity to be in heaven? Okay, so it says right here in 1 Timothy 4, 8, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. It's about two different worlds. 
Paul saying this to Timothy in 1 Timothy. And Paul was a rugged athlete. He had to be to walk all throughout the visit churches. Yeah. That guy was... Uh, he, that is such a good scripture. We didn't even have that one well, prepared. The it's Holy Spirit that just like whipped well, it out. That's, that's uh, my sermon coming up here. Yeah. I prepared for it. So, um, so yeah. So that's super, super important. And let's go into the challenges with siblings. Okay. okay. So, so, you know, I would say that sports and board games, card games, any kind of play together yeah. really is an opportunity to see what's in our child's hearts. And so some people might go, oh, I don't want to cultivate a competitive spirit. So I'm just not going to have my kids do sports. Mm -hmm. I actually don't agree with that. Um, but we're not like a huge sports family. We have a couple kids that have played sports and a few that are really good at sports. Yeah. Um, but we have always been very mindful and careful not to allow our family life to be self-centered around one child, which would indulge a selfishness. Yeah. Um, but with siblings, they sense that yeah. from each other. Like our whole family life is revolving around going to this kid's soccer game or this kid's piano recital or, you it know, can what alienate I mean? relationships and so forth. Right. But at the same time, how powerful is it for a family of 10 to go and support one kid and be the biggest rooting team? Like it's, yeah, it glorifies God. And so there's that fine balance between allowing each kid to have their experience and to be supported by their family and to cultivate and feel like we're rooting for you. Yeah. Every child should feel like their family is rooting for them and that we're not competitive with them. That's right. But again, it comes down to the words that parents use, mm -hmm. um, even academically. Is there a competitive spirit between your kids academically? Like, oh, I'm you're I can't do math because but but Kelsey's so good at math. Like imagine yeah. if our kids were like, oh, Kelsey's so good at math and I can never be as good at her at at it, so I'm not gonna do it. Well, what that's this not an option. What this creates is ageism, a culture of ageism where I only want to hang out with people that are at my ability because if winning and competitiveness is yeah. what's important then you want to compete with worthy opponents and let's like chess players let's speak frankly right. when kids are different ages they they can't a, a five-year-old can't be a worthy opponent against a 10-year-old and so if finding a worthy opponent is the goal because i want to compete and win and feel challenged and that's all that matters then they're only going to want to play with people their age Right. And there is a time and a place to allow them to totally. do that, but you don't want their heart to be. It's a heart matter. It's a heart matter about having ageism actually in their heart. So both and are I, fine, but right. you have to make sure that it isn't this overwhelming heart attitude mm -hmm. that's within them, a goal of winning only. You know, and I, but that's the whole thing, right? If it's always about winning, it's about performance. Mm -hmm. And is your home a performance based home is there this like pressure to be perfect yeah do your kids like striving for doing something correctly yeah is a good thing we're not downing that but is that like the central message that your kids hear from you and do they feel like if they don't perform they're going to be loved less well here's the thing in psychology which is kids will naturally do what gets the most love from their parents and whatever they get the most love from their parents from they feel is the most important thing. So for example, if inadvertently a parent go goes, you know, wow, when you win, I'm happier about you. I love you more. Now I'm beating, so proud of now you. beating yeah. your brother 
the winning brother gets the most love from the parent. Now, how does the other brother feel and what's happening in that relationship now if the, the, the younger brother that lost doesn't feel as much love from his parents? How's that going to divide the sibling relationship? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what you were talking about is the performance driven culture. If, if we do better, I get more love from my parents. Okay. Well, maybe they're not even caring about what they're doing, but they just do it because they get the most love out of their parents. That is a dangerous path. And think about how, what it means for your spiritual walk, right? Like that kind of a culture is usually a more legalistic, religious culture versus a relationship driven. And so there's, you know, biblically, we've even heard like the opposite, right? Where families have been raised in religious, legalistic homes. And so then when they raise their kids, they're like, oh, but having a relationship with Jesus is all, all that it's about. So then there's no emphasis on knowing God's word or knowing God, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's all about feeling, and relationship, when in reality, what has happened is the pendulum has swung from one end to the other end, and you need to find that balance. It's in the middle of knowing God's word and and having a relationship with Jesus, yes, but understanding if I love somebody, mm-hmm. I want to know them, and how I get to know Jesus is by reading the Bible. And yeah. so, you know what I mean? And and wanting to constantly be growing in that relationship and spending time with him is being in the word. And so there can't be this extreme as parents. Otherwise, our kids are going to end up, it's like your skiing analogy that you used in the last podcast. So we're going to take a real quick break. Then we're going to go into a couple more things that are really problematic mm-hmm. with this. But we have the Parenting Mentor Program. Uh, let's listen to people that have been through it. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations, or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's, let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. Awesome, love hearing this from everybody, and uh, we're just so thrilled to be having a more deeper relationship with a group of people uh, every six weeks that wanna go through this, so it's been a blast. So as we're talking about perceived love from parents, this is is one of the major points. Um, What it's creating, that performance-driven culture is creating a works-based belief system. And what it does in the spiritual life is it starts to cultivate in the kids that I need to do good works to please God. And that is an incredibly dangerous, uh, non-profitable approach to God. Yeah. It's interesting because, and it can be very subtle as you're parenting, like if you're applauding and giving accolades and affirming is another word that parenting um, philosophies use to reward good behavior, for example. Yeah. And we're not saying don't do that. Don't take us wrong. We're not saying don't do those things. But what we're saying is do your kids only receive 
affirmations, praise, and applauding when they perform perfectly or above and beyond versus having those moments where you just sit down with your kid and you just tell them that you love them because you love them. That's right. Because they're your kid. And that's where you find that balance so that you can be like, I love you when you're correcting them. I love you just because of who you are. And I love you when you are winning. (laughs) If you take one practical thing from this, I would hope you take this. Tell your kids, I love you no matter what you do. That's right. That one thing will fix this as long as you keep saying it and you actually, your behavior matches it. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it's super important. But as far as like talking about sibling relationships and this whole like, if I win, I'm going to be more loved. I'm also thinking about what about the kid that's losing in that situation, right? And what, what we were talking about before was that games, board games, athletics, like different things like that actually give an opportunity to teach godliness and yeah. godly character. Mm-hmm. And sibling relationships, goodness, you guys, huge opportunity here for teaching somebody how to lose biblically, win biblically, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Yeah. You know, like these are concepts that are woven into this particular topic because if someone has a competitive spirit do you think they can rejoice with someone who just won when they lost it's hard winning is a skill winning well not the act of winning but once you are the winner how you behave that's a skill that needs to be taught by parents and how you lose needs to be taught by parents Mm -hmm. in humility and rooting for the person that won and Good sportsmanship. And not, I mean, like, think about all the temptations to sin that could come out of losing, okay? Um, one would be cheating. Like, they want to win. They want to win so bad mm. that they're tempted to cheat. Yeah. They want to win so bad, they're tempted to lie. There was, they want to uh, win so bad, yeah. they're going to get angry yeah. or have an emotional breakdown Yeah. or quit. So there's five right there of like potential temptations to sin. Teach your kids this scripture, Philippians 2, 2 through 4. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Here's the key point. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Even the person that wins should still esteem others better Better than than himself. himself. Okay, we yeah. should not be arrogant. I'm the best in the world in all this. Wow, the Women's World Cup soccer champions, U.S. team, look them up. Talk about pride, parented wrong, horrible, not rooting for them personally um, because yeah. they are so arrogant, unbelievably you guys, arrogant. We use these kinds of situations that come like when they're we teach our kids about and them. we teach our children about them because they need to understand that there is a, we care about the heart and what we're seeing in the hearts of these women. Entitlement. Oh, this, pride. Yeah. Arrogance. It's not godly character qualities. Yeah. So there's an example of what not to do. If you want to look at an example of sports. Okay. Could they play well? Did they do well? Yeah. They're world champions. Who cares if you're losing your character? Amen. So, and, and what does man look at? Outward appearance. What does God look at? The heart. Yeah. Yeah. I have zero respect, at least for the leader. Um, I forget mm-hmm. her name. So now pride versus humility. We talked about this a little bit, but it's really important uh, to encourage your kids in the word in this season. This is where you get to use the word. It's powerful, right? Sharper than any double-edged sword. Absolutely. And and um, jealousy and one-upping. 
How do you stop on a practical level, Angie? How yeah. do you handle when somebody's jealous or they're one-upping me? Oh, my my picture's better than I drew or whatever. How right. do you handle that with the kids? Well, first of all, I think that I would separate them to talk to them privately, and then I would talk to them together as well. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not repeating the same things, but there's going to be a private conversation with the kid that's doing the one-upping. I'll just use that as an example yeah. that says, why do you feel like you need to, why do you feel like you need to be saying that in front of your brother or sister? How do you think that's making them feel? Mm -hmm. um, and then putting, trying to put them in the position. If you've ever had your child experience this where they were the one being one upped, it would be a good idea to re-encounter that specific experience so that they can remember how they felt when they were one upped. Yeah. Use those past experiences as teaching examples to remind them and reiterate why it's so important that they put their relationship with their sibling above their success or their pride. Because really, yeah. that's the that is the real problem is yeah. that they're they're willing to sacrifice the relationship and hurt the other person's feelings yeah. just so that they can be the best. Which yeah. which is actually really simple. Here's, here's a scripture to teach your kids in the process of what she's talking mm -hmm. about is James three five through seven. Mm -hmm. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. So really, the tongue is where evil begins mm -hmm. a lot of times. Yeah, and I, this particular scripture, again, in James verse 4, like, again, we would recommend that you read all of James 3 and 4, the, using the word to teach your children why we believe what we believe, why this isn't good character. How does that make you feel? Put yourself in your, your, your brother's shoes. How yeah. would you feel if he did that to you? We've had all of these kinds of conversations. Yeah. Where do wars and fights come from among you? James 4.1. That's yeah. what it says. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Yeah. Like, he just nailed it right here. It comes from your desires for pleasure, your desire for success, your desire for me, 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 me. Yeah. And then it continues on. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then it continues on. If you skip over to verse six, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, hey, in our, on CourageousParenting.com, you hit podcast, yeah. all the show notes and all of these scriptures are there. I forgot to mention that earlier. And write this down bookmark it take a picture of the scripture in your phone or something so that later when you're with your kids in the right timing you can pull it out and teach mm -hmm. them best with the real bible but as long as you teach in scripture it's key use the power of the word of god to help you in your parenting wow i don't know what we would do without the word of god no i really i mean if you think about it just the topic of pride for example Alone, how many scriptures and proverbs talk about how God opposes oh, the proud, yeah. um, and to fear the Lord? Do you want it to I be mean, just your word, which they should just listen to your word for sure? But do they always? No, not. I mean, that's a constant process, isn't it? So 
Your word or God's word? Or Here's, how about both in alignment? Right. That's the perfect storm. It's that's okay, what we're supposed to do. It's okay to have like the little initiatives like we versus me. Yeah. That's one of our yearly initiatives this year. I like clever year, sayings. Which is, it's it's easy for little kids to remember. It's easy for us to remember. It's easy for us when we're focused on something like that to be able to diagnose selfishness in our kids regularly when we as a family have all agreed to be more about we versus yeah. me. However, when your kids grow up, and they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 30 years old, are they going to be quoting scripture or quoting you? Because if they're quoting you and they don't know where it is in the Bible, then you haven't done something right. You messed up, yeah. You messed up because we should not be parenting our children to ourselves. We can't save our kids. We need to be parenting them to God because he alone saves. So dads, it's not to your glory, it's to God's glory. If they're saying, oh, my dad is so amazing and never talk about God, you've screwed up. Right. And- Honestly, as you're raising your kids, if you ever overhear them saying that, you need to correct them because it might feel good to be puffed up and be like, oh, my kids look up to me. But the reality is, is that we need to be pointing them consistently to God, not to ourselves. That's what real humility is. Yeah. Um, But, you know, as we're talking about this pride versus humility, I can't help but be thinking about teenagers and teenage kids and those that are really insecure. Mm-hmm. Because what is the typical thing that insecure people do? They they put others down. Right. To puff themselves up. So yeah. that is another one upping, right? Yeah. But teenagers will use slander, gossip. I mean, especially I think of girls, mm-hmm. right? That that The Bible says that a tongue can set ablaze a forest, right? And who can tame it? Well, we need to be teaching our kids from the time they're itty bitty to be aware of how powerful their words are in their relationships with one another. Yeah. Um, selfishness is the opposite of selflessness. God yeah. calls us over and over again to be selfless. And if they have a competitive spirit, then... And sometimes they have this mindset of nothing else matters except winning. Nothing else matters except being right. Nothing else matters except making myself look good because I feel like I need to look good to get approval. So you can see how how horrible this is to siblings mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. They can grow up just feeling terrible about each other because, you know, the older one is always trying to one up the younger one or the younger one always feels that way. So it gets really tough and acts out. Yeah, another scripture is in Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48, that says, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to him, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be greatest. So there we go. The disciples who have been walking with Jesus. This is right around when, when he's about to die mm-hmm. and rise again, right? And they all that time walking with them and still they're like fighting with each other about who's the greatest. Yeah. I and mean, the, even men. These are grown men. <laughs> so if grown men who've been walking with Jesus struggle with this, then we need to be honest that, of course, our kids can struggle with this. And of course, we can too. Yeah. We need to be aware that For example, being right. Like I read this and I'm convicted about all those times in marriage where I like was so needing to be right. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And how it that just that alone, our kids watch that. Mm -hmm. They hear that and they lose respect for me when I act that way, Mm -hmm. when it's about being right. And really, it's prideful. Mm -hmm. Like true humility doesn't need to be right. No. Like what does right do for you? Does it add a day to your life? Does it add riches to your bank account? No. Because the purpose of relationships or anything we do is to glorify God. 
And so we need to instill that. But it's not just one time you say it. It's mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Take them to scripture. Looking at these times where there are conflict in your kids as opportunities to teach the right thing versus getting frustrated that it's happening again. Mm-hmm. See, opportunities or frustration. You need to have self-control and you need to look at them as opportunities. And uh, you need to have a vision for the relationship, right, honey? Mm-hmm. I think that you know, as you're parenting your kids to be raising them and cultivating a relationship where they don't feel like they're in competition with their brothers and sisters for your love, that you just love them no matter what, which we said before, but also when there is natural sin arising in their hearts, because it will, and they start naturally becoming competitive with one another, wanting so badly to win or be the best or Like you can't have favorite kids, first of all. Can I just say that? Um, If you're a grandparent, you can't have a favorite grandchild because that's cultivating a competitive spirit. And I really cannot impress upon you more how important it is to think, okay, what are my kids' relationships like right now? Where is this going to lead them in 10 years from now? What will their relationships look like? In 20 years from now, what will the relationships look like? Because really you have to ask yourself that question. Like, for example, I'm just going to use teaching. Can your 10-year-old listen to his 12-year-old brother actually teach him something? Or is he so prideful and arrogant and think he's right that he won't let him say, hey, I don't think that's a good idea, the Bible says, or mom and dad said, or it can can they actually have that kind of a conversation? If they can, good. You are cultivating a relationship where when they're 20 years old, they're going to go to their brother and go, hey, I'm trying to make this business transaction. What's the wisdom you have for me? Which is what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. scripturally. And if you haven't cultivated that, there may be ageism, but there definitely is some kind of competitive spirit where they want to be right and know it all. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a vision for the relationship. First Corinthians 10, um, 31 is uh, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we're supposed to glorify God in everything we do. And one thing that I want to leave you with, and this is kind of a can of worms here, but I would (laughs) encourage your kids not to use the word best friend in their life. The reason is, imagine one of your siblings saying, oh, she's my best friend. But what if that daughter of yours has a younger sister and she hears that? Now you're cultivating big problems. It's exclusive. It's exclusive. I don't think adults should say, that's my best friend. It's exclusive. It's childish, actually. And it's childish. Mm -hmm. And who needs a best friend? Why can't we have close friends and call them the same and dig deep with multiple close friends? I think best friends is alienating, especially in the sibling world. Yeah. And I think, too, the the verse that you just talked about as far as doing all to the glory of God, that is not competitive. Right. When your focus is about doing something for God mm-hmm. and doing your best for him, that is praiseworthy. That yeah. is what we should be challenging one another to do. The Bible also says to spur one another onto good works, but you can't spur someone onto good works by being competitive to be truthful. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest. The most competitive people that I know are also the people that don't have very many friends. And if you want your kids to be able to be actually effective for the kingdom of God, they need to be likable. And a competitive spirit is not likable. Yeah, A competitive spirit is someone who is about them and what they're doing. If you are about other people and 
who God has made them to be and growing in him all for the glory of God, mm-hmm. then we're able to do ministry. Then we're able to be living as missionaries. Yep. So guys, have a great time. We enjoy meeting with you here on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you could just give us that five-star tap tap right there on iTunes, it really means a lot to us. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.